You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Well, good morning, friends. How are we today? Are we good? I hope so. My name is Lee. I've got uh, three children and one wife, which is good. They're all, that's right, that's right. I've got to think, what, three wives, one, no, three children. One wife, they're all outside now having a bit of a play around. They said to say hello. Um, they're in the first service. So thank you for letting me come down here this morning and, and, and talk to you guys. Uh, I'm the Generations Pastor up at Southport Church of Christ. And uh, it truly is a privilege to be down here this morning and to see the first time we've been in this uh, building. The seats, Steve, are very, very comfortable. Uh, I hope we don't go to sleep this morning on them. I was sort of saying, oh, yeah, very comfortable. But uh, no, look, I'm praying and hoping that, that um, the Spirit of God can really uh, speak to all of us uh, this morning on a very practical and real uh, topic that is close to my heart. Missional living. How to live out the faith that I have in Christ in a relevant and a real way to the people around me, including my next-door neighbour, the one that doesn't take their bin in after bin night, and I've got to wheel it up for them, including that neighbour that Jesus loves dearly and he's called me to also love that person. In fact, James writes this in uh, James chapter 2. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have a faith if you don't prove it by your actions? What's the use in saying that I'm a Christian to my neighbour if they haven't had a chance to see the Christ living out in me? How do I do that, church? How do you do that in your workplace? In a way that people will understand. In a way that people will be drawn to the feet of Jesus. That's what I wrestle with on a daily basis. As a pastor, I still wrestle with that concept. Am I being the light of the world to the people that Jesus interrupts my day with? I think they're interruptions. I think heaven's got a very different perspective on when people come into my life and perhaps into your life. Uh, A guy called Mike Frost is a pastor down in Northern Beaches of Sydney. He's an author. He's a fantastic writer. He's a great speaker. He actually says this, Surely, surely there is a way we can see the church as an army of ordinary people sent out to announce and demonstrate who Christ is without expecting ourselves to be something we're not or someone less than we should be. That's a fantastic quote. There's two things that stands out for me in that quote. That we are simply an army of ordinary people. We're not special people. We're not people with superman abilities. We're ordinary people and we're called to go and announce and to demonstrate the love of Christ who Christ is. I said earlier, if I got my wife to come up and pick the guitar up and play Amazing Grace in B flat, she would rather give birth all over again than to actually try and do that because music is not a, a gift of hers whatsoever. And so the question I have for the few moments that we have this morning, and I hope, forgive me if I do go over time, because like I said, I I am passionate about this subject. The question is this for all of us, are you living a questionable life? 
Are you living a life that evokes questions in other people? Are you living a life that surprises the people that come in contact with you? Are you living that questionable life where people go, Steve, why do you do that? Steve, why are you bringing us dinner this afternoon? Why are you praying for me? What is prayer? Where people start asking those questions that are, the answers are found in your heart, but they, they're, they're trying to unravel, unwrap that present that you've unwrapped perhaps many years ago. There's one thing, church, that I believe we can do that we all do. In fact, we're probably most of us do very well every single day of our life, and you've probably done it today already. I know I have. And it's something that we can do that can surprise your world and the people around you daily. And that's the gift and the art, whatever you want to call it, of eating. I love that idea. If we are called out as an army of ordinary people to announce and to demonstrate who Christ is, one of the most easiest and the most practical ways we can do that is by sitting around the table. By eating, by having a meal with someone. When I surf with people, I'll say, hey, make sure we leave enough time at the end because I want to get a coffee with you. That's a meal. It's even better when they bunch the coffee and muffin deal together so it's a bit cheaper. I love that. Hopefully the muffin's warm. I love a warm muffin as well, hey? But I can sit around and have a meal with someone and hopefully live a questionable life. The people go, why do you do that? Why do you say that? Why do you behave like that? If I put this verse up, the Son of Man came. There's a couple of ways you can answer this verse, and perhaps a few of us know how this verse goes. In Luke 19, it says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In Mark 10, he says, The Son of Man came to serve and not be served. There's one other verse that might surprise a couple of us this morning. And that's the Son of Man came eating and drinking. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. You see, the first two, that's the purpose of what Jesus came for. That Jesus came to seek and to save the lost and he came to serve others and not be served. But the method in how he did it. He came eating and drinking over and over in Scripture. We see Jesus sitting, having a meal with someone over a specific topic. He would always have a meal. It was what he was very good at. The problem with society today is that we live in this insular world, this isolated world that prevents us perhaps doing what Jesus did, where he came eating and drinking. You see, what I mean by that is I can drive home at the end of the day, I can push a button and my little cave door goes up and I can drive my vehicle into the cave door and shut the door, go into my little cave of a house and spend the evening in the cave of the house and then do the whole thing again the next day and never see anybody in my neighbourhood. Very easy to do. I can isolate myself very, very well. Sky Jathani says this, 
Family zones are democrated, they're surrounded by fences and within the home, family members are zoned into private rooms, each with a television, internet connection and possibly a telephone. My children want that telephone and I'm saying no, it's not going to happen. The suburb, like the consumer worldview from which it came, forms us to live a fragmented and an isolated lives of private consumption. My big problem with this, and it's absolutely right, is that that is not going to reach the world for Jesus. Living a life that is, that is isolated, that is private. And sure, privacy is an important thing. And as the internet grows bigger and badder each day, privacy is a big issue. But my life is called to shine out the light and the love of Jesus. And if you're a Christian, if you're a believer here this morning, then guess what? You're called to do the same. And I couldn't think of a better way for my wife and I to do it than to have a meal with someone, than to sit down and make some noises on the plate and cut some steak up or whatever it's going to be that night. I don't care what it is. As long as I can have a meal with someone that perhaps doesn't know the love of Jesus. And listen to them. And perhaps even say, would you mind if we prayed for you over that? I remember a quick story. I was talking to someone in Narang a few weeks ago. This guy is so far from knowing the love of Jesus. And he's talking to me about his, his life and his wife and the problems they're facing and financial troubles. And he was just pouring it out. I was sort of locking the boat onto the back of my car. He's a boat mechanic and we we're driving away and, and about to drive away. And I said, hey, listen, would you mind if I just prayed for you for that situation? Because it sounds really heavy. What do you think he said? His eyes lit up. You could see this like, really? I said, yeah, because God answers prayer. And God wants us to pray daily. Can I pray for you? And he goes, I'd love you to do that had a chance to pray for him in his backyard. I said, mate, let me know how it goes. I'd love to keep praying for you. I drove away, and as I was driving away, window was down. He grabbed my arm, and he said, Lee, thanks so much for that prayer. I was like, whoa. Slightly hesitant, do I pray for this guy? He doesn't know Jesus, but I know Jesus, but I know Jesus knows him. He loved that prayer. The table, friends, the table can actually shape your mission. You don't have to do something special or travel in a plane to go somewhere, which, hey, if you do, awesome, if God's calling you to do that. But your table can actually shape your neighbourhood, can actually bring people to the feet of Jesus around your own dining table. Two points I've got. The table can be a surprising place. The first miracle we see Jesus perform is in John chapter 2. It's written, the first miracle written that Jesus performed is in John chapter 2. Remember the story, Jesus at the wedding and everyone's having a party and woohoo, everyone's, you know, a couple of days go by and Jesus' and Jesus's mother runs over to Jesus and says, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus, we've, we've run out of wine. You know how you can sort of, you, know, you make the sort of knives move on the table without doing anything? You know how you've got some special gifts? Jesus, can you just sort of fix the wine problem? The reason why is because uh, the host of the party 
when you run out of food or wine, if you've ever been in that situation where you've hosted a party and you've maybe run out of food, slightly embarrassing. She's like, hey, Jesus, we don't want to sort of embarrass the host. What can you do? He goes, I know, bang, water into wine straight away. Did it surprise everybody at the party that the best wine was saved to the end? So much so that it was recorded in the Bible. Of course, they were super surprised. Was I super, am I always surprised by that miracle? It's an amazing miracle. But the cool thing I like about it is Jesus wasn't like, hey, look at me, bang, there's water into wine, I'm awesome. Jesus did it to point back to his Father in heaven, to give him the glory. And I love that because when I'm sitting around the table and we're making a meal, my heart wants to say it's all about my Father in heaven. In fact, when we meet people at their point of need, we are actually revealing the glory of Christ or demonstrating the glory of Christ. So we've all got agendas and stuff to do, our, our, our pile, the things to do, it never ends. I always say to my wife, a job makes a job. There is never a job complete, it always makes another job. But when I'm sitting around a table, having a meal with someone, having a coffee, an afternoon tea, morning tea, whatever it's going to be, I want to demonstrate the glory of Christ to that person. I want to demonstrate who Jesus is. In Luke chapter 7, we see Jesus again having dinner with his enemies, the Pharisees. And if you know the story, he was having dinner, you know, having a chat. And this a woman labelled a, uh, with many sins, she was called a lady with many sins, walks into the room, drops to the feet of Jesus while he's having a meal. Pours tears over his feet. If you know that story, he says to that woman that your sins are forgiven that day. Fast forward into Luke 19, we see Jesus walking down the road and a man with a very expensive suit and polished shoes up a tree. A very wealthy man named Zacchaeus. Not many people like Zacchaeus because of his perhaps dodgy ways he went about collecting taxes. But Jesus stopped and said, what are you doing up a tree? Don't be silly, hop down. In fact, you're going to have a really good look at me because I'm coming to your house today for a meal. And we see him talking to Zacchaeus at his house, having a meal. And we know that Zacchaeus and his family that day were saved. An incredible story. But again, he confronted Zacchaeus and his ways of living over a meal. Fast forward again to Luke 24. We see Jesus risen and two guys walking down the road, the road to Emmaus. You might know the story. And Jesus appears and talks with them. They end up finding out that Jesus is the Son of God while he is having a meal with them. There's so many accounts of Jesus in Scripture having a meal with people, revealing the glory of God through a meal, saving someone through a meal, rebuking someone in love through a meal. 
Alan Hirsch says a, a great quote. He says, sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Amen. To, I love that because I love eating. It's great. Missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. Now, how's this, guys? We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. That sounds tasty, doesn't it? We could literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. If every Christian household regularly invited a stranger or a poor person into their home for a meal once a week, we would literally change the world by eating. That sounds delicious. I think also it sounds easy. To a degree. We're going to come to that in a moment. But I love how easy it is to show the love of Jesus just by having a meal with someone. You see, the table fosters community. It brings people together. A, a, a number, maybe about you know, a year and a half ago, my wife and I were at a place called the Night Quarter. Everyone, anyone been to the Night Quarter before? Up our end of the coast, Helens Vale Way, Friday, Saturday night. And amazing. It's like restaurants, you know... ADD, it's crazy, there's activity going everywhere. My wife and I are sitting down having a meal and next to us was a younger couple uh, having a meal as well and we were chatting and our kids were there and they were going crazy, we were trying to control the kids but we're having a meal and you, you can sort of picture the scene and this couple next to us uh, were on their uh, phones, their mobiles. So we sat down next to them, you know, had a, because a table, there was, you know, shortage of tables, and we're sitting having a meal, and we noticed next to them, the, or the, the, the couple with their phones, they're actually eating with their phones like this. And we're like, that's, that's interesting. I wonder how long that's going to last. And so we, uh, you know, ate the meal, and we're trying to have the kids eat, and so you can imagine it was a fair amount of time we're sitting at this table. The entire meal... Their phones were like that. The entire meal. We finished and walked away and my wife and I, surprisingly, we were stunned that someone can actually have a meal across the table but not even look at them, not even talk to them. Just had their head in that ridiculous device called a mobile phone. You see, what they failed to understand was that the table creates conversation. The table creates questions. And as Jesus always pointed out in Scripture, the table can bring about reconciliation, church. A number of years ago, my friend, who was an amazing worship leader in church, he's walked away from God. He said, Lee, I no longer believe in God. Went overseas, met a girl, fell in love with this girl. He said, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. I said, mate, that breaks my heart to hear that. But I still love you. I still want to just, just keep doing life together. But I'm going to be praying. Know that I'm going to be praying for you. And he goes, you can pray all you want. He calls me up a couple of months later and he goes, Lee, I'm engaged to this girl. I said, awesome. It's great. He goes, would you be in my wedding party? I said, I'd love to be in your wedding party. He got married. Right, Fast forward after the honeymoon, got back a few months later. He rings up, says, would you come out to dinner with us? I said, I'd love to come out to dinner with you and your new wife. And we sat down 
over a meal with uh, him and his wife, and his wife had never stepped foot into a church in her life. And that meal, the entire time, probably from, from what, what I can remember from start to the end, she was mesmerised by our faith. There was question after question after question about this God and who God is and why do I believe in God and how do I know God is real and if God is love, why is there all this hurt in the world? All the big questions that everybody asks. It was a non-threatening environment in a restaurant where the entire night was taken up with her questions. I love that, that she could have that chance to ask the questions. And I, and I probably guarantee you this, if you have a, a meal with someone that doesn't know Jesus, they will ask questions. It should be a place where questions are asked and conversation happens. And like I said, reconciliation can take place. The last quote I've got is from Simon Kerr. It says, It is through the daily practice of the table that we live a life worth living. Through the table, we know who we are, where we come from, and what we value and believe. And at the table, we learn what it means to be family and how to live in responsible, loving relationships. At the table, we celebrate beauty and express solidarity with those who are broken and those who are hungry. You see, Jesus used a table to break down the walls that society put up between him and the, and the church, between it and the church. Jesus broke those walls down continually by saying, hey, let's just have a meal and talk about it. So where does that leave you and I this morning? If we're called to be the light of the world. In fact, in Matthew 28, Jesus sends us out and he says to his disciples, hey, we've hung out for three years. If you can't remember anything we've done or what I've said, just remember this. Go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Boys, if you can't remember anything else, go into the world and tell them about me huge mandate right massive you and I have heard that saving grace message that present we're here today perhaps you're here today and you haven't heard it for the first time that Jesus loves you that he's got the best for you in Matthew 5 one of my favorite verses it says that you're a light of the world it says a city on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine. I couldn't think of an easier way to let the light that lives in me shine out than to say to someone, come for a meal. Come and sit around our dining table. Sure, there's Lego, there's dolls, there's paper on the table, but watch this. Whew. We've got a clean table again. It's, my wife hates that. Now we can eat. Let's sit and have a meal. 
So where does that land you and I? Let me break it down to a real practical way. And if we see our dining table as a way that's going to change your neighbourhood, as a way that's going to change that colleague at work, that you know if they know Jesus, their life would be different. Here's a practical, possibly challenging way we can do it, church. And I say that because we've been trying to do this for a long time now, my wife and I. And it is a challenge. We have three meals roughly a day to stay alive. We have to eat. So three meals times that by seven, that's 21 meals a week we have. 21 opportunities we have to sit with someone and be the light in their world. 21 meals is impossible to do. We can't do that. So if we made it a little bit more possible and said if we took one meal out of that 21 and said I'm going to eat with John Smith, John Little, whoever it is, just one meal this week because God's laid him on my heart. That's one meal. Also says in Scripture that we ought to build up the body of believers. So if I'm going to build each other up, if I'm going to build up my brother Steve, I say, Steve and Mez, bring your kids around this week. We're going to have a meal together. We're going to encourage one another. That's my second meal. If I want to do a third meal in the week, out of 21 meals, I'm going to say to my wife, hey, we've got to have one more meal together with someone. Choose either a Christian or someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. And that's it. Just three meals. Three meals a week. I wonder if you've got the space to do that. For me, I class a meal as a coffee and a muffin. So if I ring up someone for a surf, like I've said, I say, hey, let's have a surf and make sure we have a coffee and a muffin afterwards. That's my one person I'm going to have a meal with. You guys, uh, this church, Burley, do it really, really well. I've seen on Facebook uh, picnic rugs uh, down in Burley in the afternoon. Come down and have a meal with us. This afternoon, you guys are bringing a meal down to you. That's amazing, Steve, that you're bringing a meal to the Uniting Church. You could bring your neighbour, you could bring someone from church, and either or, you tick three off all in one go. I've just, I've just had three of my people all in one meal done for the week. Perfect. The question is, who do you invite? Well, I'll look at Jesus, and Jesus invited his friends as well as his enemies. He invited the in-cast, the outcast. He invited women, men, grandparents, children. I mean, the children these days, the young adults of these days, the teenagers, they're fighting a fight that is so against the church. We've got to get around them. And say, hey, Jesus loves you. Sure, that's annoying and you might annoy me. But Jesus loves you. And I want to encourage you because I was there once. And I know life's hard. What better way to do that than sit around and have a, what a, a Slurpee. Kids love Slurpees. They don't drink coffee, but they have a Slurpee. What I'm saying here, friends, this morning is that the sky's the limit with who you invite. I couldn't think of anything better than someone meeting Jesus 
just through me and my wife having a meal with them. And them saying, wow, I never knew that God was actually for me. You see, people who don't go to church, they've always got a story. And around the table, one of my questions is, oh, so you, do you, you don't go to church? No, well, tell me that story. What happened? And everyone's got a story. And often it's the story that they don't hear, that, that Jesus actually loves you, that he's for you, he's not against you. Can I pray, church, for you all? This morning, this message is a, is, a, is a practical message, but it's if we put it on our, on our agenda, on our to-do list, uh, I guarantee you, your neighbourhood will start to change. The people around you will start to see Jesus shining through you in a, in a much more practical way. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, what, a, what an incredible message you have left us to tell the world. Heavenly Father, I pray that our life Lord, as busy as it is, we've all got busy lives with things on our agenda. Lord, I pray that we can sift through and put the ones that matter to you at the top. Lord, I pray that we can live out your message in a very real and relevant way to the people that you place in our life. Holy Father, thank you for, for Burley Church of Christ and what you're doing down here and in this neighbourhood. And Lord, I pray that as you bring people to us, we can be the light of the world to them. Amen.